We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Giancarlo Damas, and with me today, we have our trash tweeter, host of the Weird Al pregame show, Jack Alfonso. Jack, that's your cue to say something. I was muted again. Right, Gil, <laughs> this is not my we're, day. We're okay. batting a thousand. Off to a great start. We have a guest today, a very esteemed, respected NBA panelist. We have Jackson Frank. Welcome to the program, Jackson. Thanks for having me. I don't think I've ever gotten panelist as a as a, as a label. So you are you're the first, I believe. I feel like that. I feel like it gives a little bravado. It gives you a little bit of it gives you a little bit of ethos, right? You know, oh, gotta... there's definitely some esteem that I don't know if I if I uh, if I have warranted, but it's it's definitely there's definitely some esteem behind that label, no doubt. That's what we do here, yeah. in Miami Heapy. We gas up our esteemed guests that we love and we appreciate their time. We also appreciate you, the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us on twitch.tv slash Heapy. If you are a podcast or YouTube watcher or listener. I would really recommend come join us for stream. It's fun. People in chat are great. CVW1744 just gave a tier one sub extended up through July. Thank you. We love that kind of support. And, and it's a lot of fun. We're, we're cracking jokes. We're having a good time. You can hang out with us. Uh, and, and if you're a YouTube uh, watcher, you know, please uh, hit that little subscribe button. That algorithm, uh, we kind of, you know, we're trying to keep the lights on here. The algorithm is kind to many subscriptions, so we appreciate that kind of kindness. And if you want a little bit of extra content, a little bit of extra stuff, patreon.com slash Miami Heapy for, for a couple extra goodies. Uh, we post like our locker room sessions that we don't post on the pod feed because we don't want to bombard you every day. So we post some extra content. We have some more community oriented things there. So we're good. Uh, so lots to get to today. 
Uh, we got to start with the Oladipo news. Uh, we had Jackson on to talk Heat Sixers and, and to talk Simmons and 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 Bam and Joel and and Jimmy. But you know the uh, Barry Jackson dropped the news today, and along with many other reporters, that Victor Oladipo is going to be out with the season as that quad. Uh, he's going to have opts to have surgery. I thought the wording was interesting from the heat Jack where he chose, they said Victor Oladipo chose to have surgery. Uh, that, that language was interesting to me. I don't know what you take of that. Uh, Jack, can you hear me? Are you gone? Are you, are you good? I can hear okay. you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what, what do you think of the language of the, uh, of the Oladipo news? Um, you know, it's, it's a minor thing that I like personally, would have preferred if they just kind of left it a little more neutral. Like, I don't really see the point in saying, well, he decided to do this. Like, of course he did. So the actual, okay, Jack's internet's, uh, Jack's internet's not cooperating today. Uh, the, the, uh, the tweet reads, Victor Oladipo has decided to undergo season-ending surgery in his white, quad, white quad, right quadriceps and tendon. The surgery will take place tomorrow in New York. There's no timetable for his return at this time. Uh, Jackson, do you, do you read into that? Cause, and the only reason I asked is because I know that the heat have been very, uh, they have, they have a little bit of a history kind of, you know, think about the kind of guys that go through there. Udonis, Dwayne morning, a lot of guys that play through injury. I know that when Hassan was hurt, uh, I think the organization set out in public, somebody, somebody was quoted as saying, well, he's no, he's no Udonis when he was sitting with pain and, and justice Winslow, that, that, that saga was very public about him not playing through pain. So I, I thought the wording was interesting. I don't know if you, if I'm, maybe am I reading too much into it or. No, I mean, I, 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 I come from a different perspective, obviously, because I don't, I don't have that same level of background about kind of how the heat of ward injuries and things like that. But that does sound intentionally because before, you know, Jack got cut off, I think maybe kind of his point was that, yeah, of course he chose to anyone who go undergoes surgery you know, chooses to do so, you know, they get, they get information from, from doctors and team physicians and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's their decisions, their careers, their body. So that, that does sound weird. So I, I don't know. I don't know what maybe the intent is behind that, if there's any at all, but it does just, it, it doesn't sound, I don't want to say normal, but it's not generally what you hear. Like, I don't think, you know, Jalen Brown is, was announced a couple of days ago or yesterday that he's going to undergo wrist surgery. I don't think they chose, they don't think it said that he chose to undergo or undergo it because it's just, just implied if you're going to like go and do a major surgery that keeps you out for X amount of weeks or months, obviously it's a decision you've made. So I don't know what, to, I don't know what to really, you know, how to interpret it, but it definitely feels intentional, whatever the, the motive is behind that. But uh, yeah, definitely kind of odd, odd language that I don't think I quite picked up on when I first read the news earlier. That was on company letterhead too. I mean, that was from the damn Twitter account. So it's not like a reporter said that that was that they, they chose that, right? Like that's language that they chose. And, I know that, you know, I've heard stories that Riley has even not not that Riley's out here like crafting tweets, but like they're a very deliberate organization that even the uniforms go through, you know, the desks at the highest office. Right. So it was a little weird to me. And given their kind of history with that, um, I, I, I'm not saying that they were forcing him or, or like urging him to play. But I, I do. I know that they have to be disappointed. I mean, they 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 traded him with expectations. Now, I do think the calculus has changed a little bit, Jackson, because. You know, at the time that they traded for him, Dragic looked pretty cooked. Uh, Dragic had nothing. His finishing numbers were in the toilet, was not getting to the rim, had no burst. The shot wasn't there. Tyler Hero was not playing well. I mean, he's come back from injury and has lit the world on fire. But prior to that, I mean, was getting nothing out of pick and rolls, could not shoot the ball at all. And Kendrick Nunn was a non-factor on both ends of the floor, right? So that's since changed, right? Nunn has been really good for them offensively. I know their defense has dipped a little bit since he's played, but 
I mean, he's given them that pull-up jumper. He's kind of a little more active getting to the rim. Tyler has been lights out since he's come back. And Dragic looks, you know, the floater's kind of dropping. You know, that little pull-up, he's a little more confident in that. Uh, I've seen a little step-backs, doing a little more in isolation. So I I want your perspective on this from someone on the outside. Like, you know, he goes down and, and you think what? Do you think, well, that torpedoes their season? Or you're just like, ah, well, no, not 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 big a deal. No, I don't think it's I don't think it's a huge deal. Um, but what I do think they lose there is like part of I mean, I think part of the Heat's issue beyond just this year, at least beyond, you know, injuries and COVID related absences, is outside of Jimmy and Bam, they don't have a lot of guys who you can play out there where you're not sacrificing significantly on one end, right? And when ideally with depot is you can you can have the defense and you can get to the rim a little bit and create obviously the scoring has not been very good this year outside of any hot stretches from deep. Um, but that's kind of the ideal, ideal version of LD for right? a very good perimeter defender who can also, you know, run a couple of, you know, second side pick and rolls or create off a dribble handoff with bam, things like that. So I think it may be, you know, but he hadn't, I mean, he only played four games for, for the heat. His scoring numbers are not good. They weren't very good in Houston either. Um, they hadn't been very good in Indiana this year before you know, until or after he kind of started to cool off from three. So I think it was kind of an ideal version of Oladipo, but the biggest thing that I noticed is like, you don't even have that threat because you know, like, Maybe eventually hero figures on defense, but it's not going to happen in the next six weeks or four weeks. Dragic is Dragic is not going to get there because he's just just is like you're going to bank on him figuring out offensively. So that's kind of the biggest thing that I took away. But uh, again, even then, maybe you're kind of not grasping at straws, but kind of thinking of a, a version of Oladipo that doesn't really exist at this present day. So last season in the playoffs, and the main reason I didn't believe in them was I was like, well, they don't have anybody to defend quick guards who can pull up. Because they, you know, they played, they did not switch very much until they they made the trade. And even then, the switches didn't look particularly great in the regular season after they got Jay Crowder and Iguodala. So they were mostly a drop team and their guards could not stay in front of anybody. Kendrick Nunn dies on screens. Tyler Hero, Dragic, just not good, right? So guys like Kemba Walker, guys like Kyrie, like anybody who's a pull-up threat, especially coming off that screen up top, is an issue for them. And I, I looked at them like, well, I don't. I don't really see the solution here, right? Which is why they did well against the Bucks in the regular season. You're like, okay, you can get away with kind of playing your drop. You know, no one's no one's really gonna kill you. Maybe Middleton may, but for the most part, you know, Giannis and 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 Bledsoe, that, that that's not gonna hurt you, right? So even mm-hmm. though they won that series, even and I I didn't pick them, um, you know, you can kind of talk yourself into well, their big weakness wasn't exposed, right? And then they play Kemba. And they throw all they throw everything in the kitchen sick at him. Those heads and recovers were great. The switches, I thought Bam did fantastic. Jay Crowder was actually really good in switches uh that series. So it was like a lot of new things that they hadn't done much in the regular season. They were able to survive those weaknesses. And I think this season, you know, their defense was good, but they hadn't addressed that. Right. So Oladipo is somebody who can let Bam play a little more drop. They don't have to switch as much, which compromises their rebounding. They're one of the worst rebounding teams in the league. Part of that is Bam's on the perimeter. And, you know, you have Tyler Hero and Dragic and Duncan trying to box out down there. And uh, that doesn't go so well. So I think they lose defense more than anything. I think if Hero and Dragic and Nunn are going to be some sort of version of this offensively, I think they'll be fine. I read. I think it was Cooper Moore had tweeted their first in offense uh, since April 1st, which is good considering they've been in the 20s all year <laughs> or their top five in offense since April 1st. So something really good mm-hmm. considering they've been really bad uh, and their defense has slipped a little bit, but I, I trust them to tie in that. Um, I, I just wanted your thoughts on, on the depot thing because it's like we've kind of been in our vacuum, right? And and I think we this team has been incredibly frustrating. And I think as somebody who covers the Sixers, you can maybe understand that a little bit, even if you're playing well, some some of the losses or some things can be 
a little bit of head scratching, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's such a tough trade to evaluate. Um, you know, I thought it was worth the risk. Um, and obviously, you know, oh, totally. I mean, I, I, I think it kind of had to evaluate as this because there were depot to Miami rumors even before he got traded there. Um, but it, it looks kind of tough now because Kelly Linick has turned into Larry Bird and, uh, and whatnot. He was net rating God here. He and, was and, like, and he's, he's played like 25 games with the, with the Rockets. And he's averaged like 19, nine, four, one on like 68%. It's some, some ridiculous number, but uh, yeah, I thought it was worthwhile because of the reasons you mentioned, just having someone who could, you know, maybe guard some of those um, perimeter, you know, per, kind of those shiftier, quicker guys on the perimeter, because I think what he has done well, even when he's played and he's only played 33 games this year uh, is he's, I think he's looked really good on defense, honestly. Like, um, when I watch him play, I thought he's been good. I think he grades out fairly well in some of the metrics you can look at. Um, yeah. I think he's not back to where he was when he made an all NBA and all defense team a few years ago, but he's better than he was, you know, post he's kind of, oh, he's, he's kind of approximating pre-injury levels on that. And now the D, the offense has faltered a lot and that makes it tough to play him significant minutes beyond his, his name recognition. But I definitely kind of agree there that that's where you lose the most is having, you know, someone who can get in the passing lane to get out in transition and create easy buckets because there's, there's just a lot of value in guys who can create transition opportunities because it's so much, so much more efficient to play, play on the fast break and whatnot than it's in any, any half court context, regardless of how the, what type of play type you, you result in. He gives them a little more bite on defense. And I think in the playoffs, that's, that's kind of what you want. And Olenek was a guy that as much as I loved him and I, uh, Jackson, my, one of my favorite stats in the regular season was Jimmy and, and Kelly Olenek had a better net rating than LeBron and, and AD. It was just like <laughs> funny, right? It was like, they're like plus 19 per 100 possessions and like not an insignificant amount of minutes. So you're just like, I mean, either Jimmy's a god or, you know, what, what's going on? I mean, it's just funny because Kelly's, you know, Kelly's a little goofy, right? He, he wasn't even shooting well, which is also funny. Uh, just a, a very, uh, a very, very odd pair. Very, very odd pair. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that I, I think I think you nailed it with, with everything you said. And, and I, I think they'll probably have enough on offense. I do want to pivot to Heat Sixers because, Jackson, if I had to pick a matchup of the top three seeds that I want the Heat to play, I'd, I'd pick the Sixers. And I, I, I have concerns and I, I want to talk to you about them. I Embiid still being a negative assist to turnover ratio guy or right around there considering how Miami defends bigs, they front, they double, they send help and they, and they recover. That's, that's how they've always done it. That's been the Eric Spolster way ever since the big three years, you know, front help recover swarm. And if you're, and they're going to force, or they're going to try to force Joel to be a passer. So I guess in a matchup against them, that's what they're going to do. And I think Jimmy in particular has been really good on those, on that help. And I think other than that game against Memphis where Valanciunas just made him look dumb. Uh, they've, I think they've done a relatively really good job of that. And I, I'm curious as to how you feel, you know, from, from that perspective of like, okay, they're going to do this. How do I feel about the Sixers? Like, how are they going to counter and how are they going to look in coverages? Like yeah. That? I mean, I think, I think Miami is the, is the, t- I mean, I think Miami is the most dangerous team that's outside the top three. Um, and I think, you know, for the Sixers perspective, it is the defense there with how good they are at positioning and whatnot. Um, I do think, you know, Joel still has some issues, you know, as a passer, but I think he is notably better this year than passers, even if it doesn't necessarily isn't reflected in the raw, the raw numbers as a, as a passer. Um, but I think one thing that does help is they've also used him differently this year. You know, in past years, he was very much a back to the basket guy, um, do his thing. But this year, he'll get in the mid post face up. He'll work kind of at the free throw line extended area. Um, you know, I know that 
when the Heat and Sixers played back in January. The, it was when the Heat were going through some COVID things. But if you watch that game when Joel had whatever, when the overtime game when they won um, yeah. by a couple of points, Joel crushed the Heat from kind of the nail area, the free throw line. Um, not That's not to say he would do the same when the Sixers were fully healthy, but just to point out there are different ways you can use him now. And he's talked about this year that like he kind of likes playing from the free throw line because he can see some of the help more there. Now they, the, 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 you know, they kind of where the doubles come from. The flip side is that doubles can come more easily, right? If you don't come, if you don't work in the block or the, the post. But um, I think that it's kind of, a lot of it's going to come down to how does Doc use him to an extent? I think Joel will be able to to do his thing to, for the most part. But um, you know they've kind of ebbed and flow with that. Sometimes they'll go through the mid post a lot. Sometimes they'll have games where he works from the free throw line a lot, um, and he can he can do a lot of good stuff from both spots. I mean, that's his his increased offensive versatility is a big reason he's you know going to particularly potentially be a first team All NBA guy despite Nikola Jokic also being a, you know, the MVP candidate at the same position. Um, <laughs> This year, so I think there's definitely some some reason for concern, but kind of Embiid's and passing improvements, the new shooting around him, and the fact that there are kind of different ways to use him, uh, whether it's triple handoffs, pick and pops, where he kind of flows in that pull up jumper now, um, definitely kind of some more versatility there. But I do think um, that's you know there there are reasons to you know be hesitant, but at the end of the day too, he he's fairly comfortable with shooting over the top. You know the Heat don't have really the size, um, even I mean. Bam is Bam is a great defender, obviously, but even if like Bam is defending and Jimmy comes and help, Joel's seven foot, seven one or whatever with a seven five, seven six wingspan, he'll just shoot that ball over the top if he has to. Um, maybe not the right idea all the time. The jumper's not falling, but um, I think the Heat could pose some issues. But at the end of the day, what I've seen from Joel this year um, should should have Sixers fans and whatnot fairly confident because he just is a better, better and more diverse offensive scorer. I guess scorer, yeah. <laughs> offensive scorer. I mean, chat, you know, Wade Goat in chat saying Embiid's going to cook us. Uh, other people, uh, Wade Goat also says that's Bam's worst matchup. Um, Hearball 14 is is concerned as well. There's no answer for Joel. So, like, people, and I, I feel like that's been, like, a bit of a of a hot take by me because I look at the Bucks and I'm like, they're a little different. And I know that their defense has slipped, but they do switch a little bit more. And I know they're not perfect at it yet, but that really discombobulates the heat. I like their chances against the drop more. Um, I they the the nets is just that i mean i don't think anybody wants to play them especially when they're healthy so, yeah and harden's you know. supposed to be back tonight i think so yeah but that by the time that second round series happens that he could have been back for two or three weeks and he could be his his mvp caliber self when he's healthy so yeah and i think really i agree i think i agree too especially like that that's my thing with with the heat in the sixers matchup is like yeah, I get why the Heat want to play them um, and why that's probably their be best matchup. But it doesn't mean it's like a great matchup, of course. Not that you're saying anything, anyway, anything like that. But I mean, when you're when you're looking at for the, you got to just pick the least, the least bad, the least unfavorable. So I definitely get that. And you know, part of the thing with you know with the Heat switching a lot against a team like the Bucks is like they don't have that same level of they don't have all the big wings they can throw this year, right? Where in, in the, and now the Heat, the Bucks have Drew, and Drew is just a much better player than Eric Bledsoe in the playoffs, especially. So. Um, it's just it's just tough when you got Giannis doing Giannis things, um, and then Middleton kind of shooting over the top, and then Drew posting smaller guys up. I mean, Drew, if they try to switch Dragic, none, Hero, any of those guys, even maybe like I don't think you could post up Trevor Reza, but I think you know you could have some. Oh, he's done it. He's he's been willing, which I've liked yeah. actually. They did it to Kemba a lot yesterday and 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 Sunday. Uh, uh, I think that's been Jackson like the biggest development in the last couple of months is that they. You know, teams were switching, especially that Duncan Bam handoff, and they were just not doing anything about it. And they've made a, a concerted effort, even out of pistol and out of other things, early to get that switch and to post a bigger guy up. 
and, and spread the floor. And, and these guys are typically plus passers. So they can kind of see the help. They love clearing a side out, right? Leave, leaving somebody <laughs> yeah. on an island. That's like, that's been the Irish Buster special this year. I'm like, oh, I love this. Yeah, they, they, they've, uh, they've been putting Jimmy and Bam in those those mid-post ISOs, you know, one 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 clear out, four on the other side a lot. I mean, Bam, Bam crushed the Celtics last night with that. It's um, been fun, man. Especially in the first half. But yeah, I guess what I meant, I, mean, I kind of poorly phrased I meant to say, like, I think Drew could still have some advantage against oh, for sure. defensively. Not in the uh, post. Uh, and Drew has been a great post defender. I mean, there have been bigger guys yeah. that, that he gets switched, and he's not. I know Lowe talked about it the other day. Uh, that you know, you just kind of run into a guy that you think you have an advantage over, and you're like, wait, he's rock kind of like Kyle Lowry, really. I mean, just yeah, or even, even I mean, like even offense. I mean, like I remember when the Bucks and Nets played a couple times last week. Like Kyrie isn't a super strong guy, but he's a lot stronger than he used to be. And Drew was just crushing him. Like Drew was just getting the switch and then posting him up, finishing with the left to the right. So, uh, long story short, I I agree that the Sixers are probably the best matchup for the Heat. Um, but the the biggest thing I worry about for them beyond how they defend on B, which I think they could have some relative success compared to what he's done this year. Well, yeah. Is like, I worry about what Bam can do against him um, because Joel isn't the most mobile center, but he's pretty mobile for his size um, yeah. and whatnot. And Bam likes to be able to get the first step on guys and kind of finish around them with, you know, he'll get that quick little edge and then he'll be able to kind of contort himself around or he'll shoot the jumper over the top. And I just don't know if we'll have those same pockets of space against a guy like Embiid. So um, that's where I worry, but I know we'll talk about maybe some of the perimeter side of, of things. I actually really agree with that. And that's kind of been what I've worried, um, especially because, you know, I, I think Joel is just a monster defender in pick and roll and, and whatever big is kind of going downhill. And I I like Bam kind of in that mid post facing up, but I I don't know how much of, he, he always has an advantage, but I think Joel is so big and so strong. And Bam, that's one of the few guys that Bam can't overpower. Yeah, and I mean, one, one of the things that, Embiid has done really well through his career is defend Anthony Davis because Davis plays a similar style to Bam, but he's just bigger and longer. And so if you take a couple yeah. more inches in terms of wingspan and height away from him, then that is Bam. Uh, and just isn't quite the same talented, like off the dribble shot maker yet. Um, it, it is a very favorable matchup for Embiid defensively. So um, that's where my biggest hesitancy is in terms of like, I know, I know maybe some, you know, not just in heat or Sixers circles, there'll be some trendy picks if that happens. Like, oh, we'll take the heat over the Sixers. But I just worry about, I just worry a lot about Bam and that matchup um offensively at least in the, in the heat really need him offensively to be the guy he's been all year um because even though i mean even though the offense still i mean it's been better as of late as you mentioned very good but on the on the whole bam's been tremendous for the most part all season and it still hasn't been a great offensive rating season there are factors to that but yeah. um point being they need him to be you know, an 18 19 point scorer with four or five assists and get those advantages that i just don't know that'll, that'll be available to him against Embiid. He does have the little jumper, which I like, and he's done really good at, at using it as, as a pull-up weapon. I, I'm curious as to what you think how Philadelphia will defend their Duncan Bam handoff, because I think that is typically a series tone setter. The Bucks opted to just have Wes Matthews or Middleton fight across screens and chase Duncan around and, and keep the big drop low. Uh, the Lakers decided to kind of put do the same, but kind of keep Davis a little higher up. The Celtics were switching that. The Raptors, I think, have had the best success, uh, which which they just switched that straight up and and keep like OG on Bam or something or, or or Powell right kind of fronting. So I think a lot of teams have done it differently, and that tends to be the tone setter of the series. Like if if you're the Sixers, how how are you dealing with that? Because that's typically their weapon to isolate kind of plays. So if if you're gonna put Joel in a drop and you just trust Duncan to fly off and have that space. I mean, that's something that they could do to generate some offense and then kind of keep Joel a little higher up to the level and kind of let Bam slip back. How, how do you see them defending that? Yeah. So 
One thing that, you know, I mean, I, I think Doc has done, there are a lot of things I think Doc has done better than Brett Brown. I don't think he's necessarily demonstrably better coach. I think part of it's just having a new voice. But one thing that the coaching staff has done this year is vary the way they use Joel, not just from game to game, but in game, um, which helps, you know, one of the things last year that crushed the Sixers beyond just from a talent, being a talent disparity against the Celtics was they never really changed how they used Joel and drop coverage and Kemba and Jason Tatum just crushed them in the playoffs last year. But this year they've shown a little more willingness to either, you know, occasionally hedge or trap with Joel. Doesn't work great. He's still, the team is still trying to kind of figure out what that entails for them on the back end. Uh, and Joel just, you know, he's, he's not quite as good about kind of changing directions and all that. Um, but they'll, or they're playing with the level of the screen. So I think if, you know, if that was a series that happened, they'd probably start and drop with Joel, but they would be, they would be flexible enough, you know, with Dan Burke as their defensive coordinator there to play with the level of screen that they need and force Duncan to beat him off the dribble. Um, because I think they would very much welcome Duncan putting the ball on the floor, trying to do anything against or within, with MB in the vicinity. Um, but in terms of how they'll actually match up, you know, I think they'd probably start with, um, with Danny Green on Duncan Robinson, which I think would be a very tough matchup for Danny. He's done a lot of great things here defensively chasing off ball movers or elite off ball movers has not been one that. of them. Um, the Lakers tried that. And it, it... Yeah. And he, and he's just, he's even a bit, he's a little slower this year. I mean, guys, I mean, D- Doug McDermott gave him issues yesterday. Um, Bradley Beal has cooked him, you know, from day one, that was the first game of the year they played and Danny was still kind of working out of the bubble. So I don't want to use that game as indicative, but it hasn't gotten a lot better. Um, so that's what I think they'll do, but what I would try. And then when those things are, when like kind of when each team's starting fives out there is I would try to see if you can do anything with Danny on Jimmy and go with Ben on Duncan. They haven't top locked much, but I think I ben, like that a lot. I Ben is the type of guy who can top lock. They did it more in previous years with Brett, but I, and I know Duncan can, he's a very good cutter and you have guys like Bam and Jimmy who can find him on the back end there. Um, but I like the idea of Ben there because Ben's improved navigating screens. He's a much better mover um, than, than Danny green is. Uh, and Danny's had some success against those guys who kind of use strength and size. I mean, like, like Danny had some success defending James Harden earlier this year when they played the Nets. I think Harden only played one game. Um, didn't like, I don't, he didn't shut him down or anything, but he just has that kind of that level of basketball intelligence and size and strength to give, you know, kind of the, the, the kind of methodical strength based ball handlers like Jimmy or James Harden to an extent um, some issues. Not that I think he would you know that he would lock down Jimmy or anything, but I think, when you try to evaluate how that might work, I think you could slow the aggregate heat offense down if you're kind of, because there's so many ripple effects of, you know, if you, if Duncan's just crushing you and he's and Danny's left in the dust, every play, um, the heat won't have any issue going to that seven times in a row or something like that. I mean, they're pretty comfortable running that a lot. So <laughs> that's what I would go to, but I'm not confident doc would do that because we haven't really seen much of Danny on the ball. Um, Cause again, his lateral quickness isn't there. He's a very good help defender, still help with the nail, things like that. Um, but, but I have seen enough that you can kind of match some of those strength-based guys. So that's what I would try and do, but I'm not super confident we would see that. But again, who knows you, if they played them seven times or six times in a row, I mean, there's just so much more possibilities there. So many more possibilities there that I probably can't even, you know, say one way that would happen. That's a huge win if you're the heat, because if you can get Ben Simmons on Duncan Robinson, you're freeing up other stuff. And and for me, that was in the playoffs, kind of one of their sneaky advantages that they got Marcus Smart off of like Goran and Jimmy, right? Like mm-hmm. Goran went off that series partly because Brad decided that, okay, Duncan Robinson's not going to beat us. And, and Duncan had a great series against the Celtics, um, but that's, that's the one where he's like, he's going to fight through screens and he's going to go after him and he's going to, you know, we're, we're not going to let him do it. We're not going to let him be great. And, you know, that, that taking Ben off of a guy like Jimmy or, or Goron or whoever, I think, I think ultimately a net win for them, but I think Embiid is enough of a fixer 
that yeah, you might be I, able to I guess to the best way that I should phrase it is that it would be an option I would consider if, if Duncan going off was the reason that the Heat were either, you know, making games of it or stealing wins. Yeah. That's something I would consider. I mean, again, Jimmy's obviously the driving force behind them with his ability to penetrate, and he's just such a smart decision maker. Um, you know, his assist to turnover ratio this year is ridiculous as it was last year. Um, it's he, just he, outrageous. Yeah, but so that, I guess the way, the way I would frame it is if Duncan is the reason that you're struggling to defend the Heat, then that's something I would consider. But at the end of the day, yeah, you want to keep your defensive player of the year candidate, your first team all defense guy on on the team's offensive engine um, while Joel is able to, you know, conceivably or most not I won't say most likely, but probably give Bam at least some some fits or some problems. So um, I guess I should phrase it that way more than like, here's what I would do from the outset. Um, but I think it's an option they could consider just given kind of Jimmy's limitation or Danny's limitations. Uh, Danny and Jimmy, we're talking about some Irish brothers here. I'm like, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think, I've had I think battles. I mean, Danny, <laughs> Danny saw some time on him too. I mean, Danny's defended Jimmy in in, in a couple playoff series recently in Toronto against Philly, and then again mm-hmm. uh, last year with the Lakers. Uh, Jackson, the other thing, and, and I, I don't, I know that this is such a tired argument, or I guess a tired discussion, but I still don't know what the Sixers do late in games with Ben especially with the Heat team that is forcing turnovers at an alarming rate lately. Jimmy, and, and I tweeted this out the other day, like Jimmy's having, we're going to get into the defense stuff, but he's having like one of the best defensive seasons I've seen for a wing in a very long time. And he almost reminds me of Kawhi that one year. You remember how you couldn't dribble around Kawhi because he was taking it from you. <laughs> uh, Jimmy's like that, but with passes. Yes, like you can't yes, pass absolutely. anywhere near him because he's getting at minimum like a deflection or he's forced to make a mistake. So, I, you know, if, if you're, you know, if, if Ben's not on the ball a lot late and I, I don't, I know that he's cutting a little more, but I, I still see a lot of him kind of hanging out in the dunker spot or whatever. And, and with Joel, if they're going to send help at Joel, that's my main question. So those are my two kind of things I'm going into the series. Like, okay, well the heat are not going to be favored, but their win conditions are you force Joel into turnovers. You do a good job of sending help and recovering. And you basically, you know, you, you let Ben cheese himself out of games, right? And, and I think those, and I, I feel like that's really a lazy, tired discussion because, I mean, Tobias has been incredible for them, and I know that the shooting has been good. And I think that there's something to be said about kind of Jimmy hunting Seth and some of those smaller guards that are playing now more, uh, like he did last year in the playoffs. That was really their bread and butter kind of guard screen, force that switch or drop, and then kind of eat those guys up. But uh, I think more importantly, it's kind of those two guys. And 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 I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, you're... You're the esteemed panelist. Is this, are my concerns about Ben, uh, is that so last year or? No, I, I don't think so. I think there are definitely some some worries about the crunch time offense um, because they have won the second most games in the clutch this year. They're 25 They've and nine. They've been good. Um, yeah. But it's defense. The, their defensive rating in the clutch this year is 97.5, second league wide behind the Knicks. Um, but offensively, they're at 108.5, which is just about 15th, which is kind of, emblematic of it's just how they've been all year they're they're i think they're 12th or 13th in offensive rating and, and bringing down the lakers next next for the top top defense so um i think there are still worries tobias has been much better but he's still a guy who if you kind of crowd him a little bit you double him things like that he can force some turnovers joel again you know he's much better player than offensively than he was in previous years but still kind of a guy if he doesn't quite know where that read is you know, out of the post or whatever, then he's prone to some turnovers or forcing shots. Um, ben is a guy who also has some handling issues. You know, you just, I mean, I don't think it's, it's not revolutionary to say you probably don't want Ben handling the ball as your primary initiator late in the game. Um, you saw some struggles yesterday. I mean, I mean, MB didn't play yesterday. 
Um, and you saw some of the issues down the stretch. The Sixers scored, I think, 32 points second half against the Pacers team without Miles Turner. Um, and now they were down. They were also without, uh, you know, for Concord, Maz, and Matisse Thibel, and uh, one other guy, I think, well, maybe one other rotation player. But but point being is that, you, point being there that, not to use that game, but just as an example of what, like you don't want Ben to be running the offense. You want to be a complimentary player at all times, but especially late in the game when he can be a play finisher, cut, crash offensive glass, things like that. Um, so I think that's still a concern. And even though, the, as I said, they've been great, great in the clutch, it's not been because of their offense, just as they've been great all year. It hasn't been because of the offense has been a passable offense. So um, it's, I still think there, I, I want to see what happens in the clutch against a good team. I, I, I'm not concerned about what they do if it's a close game against the Hornets or, or the Celtics or the Wizards or the Pacers or anything like that. I just don't think those teams are good enough to, to give the Sixers any issues. You know, those are kind of their, those are the most likely. Other. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I play as the as the eight seed. Um you know, next week or week and a half or whatever. So uh, I don't think by any means you're, it's an antiquated, you know, argument. I think there's still some worries about what they do offensively in the clutch. And if maybe less about what they do offensively, but is, is their defense enough in the clutch? Can they get out and create early off early offense, even in the last five minutes, four stops, things like that. Um, so I definitely think that's a, a big, a big concern and probably their most pressing question, because I think they're good enough to probably compete with basically anyone, but it's a matter of, can they compete with anyone in the last five minutes of a game? Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball player strikes out when the bases are loaded. The best golfer sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go get to roman.com slash heatbeat21 now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you for free with two-day shipping, and the whole process is discreet and straightforward. Get Getting started is simple. Go get to roman.com slash heatbeat21 and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete the online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go get to roman.com slash heatbeat21 to get $15 off your first month. Look, that's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Get to roman.com slash heatbeat21. Go get started to save $15 on your first month of treatment. 
it's kind of weird how when I'm discussing like the Heat's win conditions, it, it it's it's about their two best players. It's like how can the how can we exploit, uh, you know, the two you know all NBA caliber guys, which and one of them is an MVP, which is it's kind of funny, and that tends to not bode well for a team when you're just like really banking on like the best players to like not be best players. But, um, the Simmons thing, it, it it's always felt like a meme, Jackson, and I think it's like probably gotten a little too out of control now i listen i love slandering ben simmons it is so fun <laughs> twitter was made to make fun of dudes like you know i'm i'm here all i do is make fun of the knicks now that's like my thing i'm, I'm making fun of the knicks i will under under no circumstances do you gotta hand it to the new york <laughs> knicks like i'm i'm not there I, i'm not i listen i'm a i'm an angry petty heat fan i will not ever give tom Thibodeau credit you know you can <laughs> you could take your fluke season or whatever but uh like the Simmons thing, we have fun with it, but there's like a little truth to it. But I feel like sometimes it gets a little under control. Like he's like a legit, really good player and he's destructive on defense. And I, I know that fans like reluctantly give that to him, but like he's been legit. Like he's like one or two. Yeah. I, I as think as a wing defender this season. It's interesting. So the, the first year I started covering the Sixers, like on a game by game basis, was his second year. I watched a lot of the games this rookie year. Um, just really liked what Embiid did and was intrigued by Fultz, which ended up being, you know, didn't, didn't go out, didn't go well, but, uh, he was really good as rookie year defensively. He wasn't honestly that good in the regular season defensively that second year. Like he, I think he kind of coasted by reputation, but the playoffs came and he was phenomenal. He took D'Angelo Russell out of things. He did as good a job as he could do against Kawhi. Uh, and then last regular season, he just, he suddenly became a first team all defense guy. I mean, he is legitimately incredible on that end. He's improved off the ball, the way he blows up dribble handoffs, path denials. He's even better. I think has shown some improvement as a low man this year. So I'm um, not that he has to play very there very often. Tobias has been pretty solid. Danny Green's good there too. Um, and then you have Joel, obviously, you know, doing things. So um, yeah, but I think it's, I just, I don't know what to expect because it's been a very weird year out of Ben. You know, he was, whether he was maybe a little bit injured or, you know, maybe something, you know, he was, the, the trade rumors going around, you know, were, hurt, were affecting him. He wasn't great for the start of the year. And then he went on an awesome tear right before the All-Star break. Um, was like, like he was legit turning the corner offensively, taking on more contact, more controlled, embracing things as a finisher, embracing contact as a finisher, excuse me. And then, you know, the play, the the, uh, the the All-Star break happened. He and Joel, you know, missed a couple of games because of COVID protocols. Joel went down. And Ben really struggled to be the primary initiator. His sister's turnover ratio really cratered. He was less aggressive. Uh, it looked like he was turning a corner free throw wise. He was up to like 67% at one point. He's back down like 61, 62 in line with his career numbers. Uh, and 67%, like when he was there, like that's, some, you can, you can salvage that. Like that's totally fine. Um, you know, when he, if he, if he goes to line, that's a good, that's 1.34 points per possession. That's a very good outcome. Um, I think you want it to be a little higher considering at the rate in which he theoretically yeah, can get. Yeah. But the point being like, you can, you can work with yeah. 57 compared to 58 that he was at. Yeah. 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 Rookie year. So and now the last few, like he's been, he's been good since he came back from, you know, he was out with the flu, I think for like four or five games, um, was a really bad flu, whatever, you know, was, was legitimate. I think they had like a homestand and he was out for most of that too. So, um, but he's been good. You know, they've been beating teams by a lot for the most part. So he hasn't, his numbers aren't on a per game basis. Great. But that's all for me to say, like, I can identify all this very much an up and down year. It hasn't been consistent. <laughs> and his best playoff year, he's only played two of them was when they had Jimmy Butler and he was able to play kind of in that kind of that. They miss him. Yeah, they, they do. Um, he was able to play in that dunker spot. He's able to be kind of that that play finisher, that big man type type player. Um, like he wasn't great against Toronto offensively, but he was a heck of a lot better in that series than he was against Boston the year prior. And then last year we didn't get to see him because of the knee injury. So uh, I don't know what to expect on that on that. And I know he's going to be great defensively. Whoever they put him up against, he's going to do a tremendous job. Um, but it's a big question mark because he's been inconsistent this year and 
The last time he played in the playoffs, he was solid, but he wasn't great. And they had a they had a lead ball handler who was better than their best lead, best half court score per, perimeter creator, which I guess would be perimeter half court score, which is Tobias Harris this year. So um, that's a long winded rant to just to say I don't really know <laughs> that from Ben Simmons offensively. He's tremendous on defense in the playoffs, um, but it's been a weird year for him, and you don't really have a reference point about how he might fare in the in the playoffs offensively down the stretch of a game. By the way, I want to update chat. Atlanta up six right now on Washington, 27-33, uh, kind of winding down in the first quarter. We're on, we're on watch here, Jackson. We need Washington to to drop one. Of the, we need uh, Atlanta to drop one of these so Miami can uh, can get to four, although we'll settle for five. I think, I think five's a happy place. So what I did want to end the show with, uh, Jackson, was talking about Jimmy's, Jimmy's case for, you know, best wing defender in the sport this year. I think it's between him and Ben. Um, I, I, I can't speak enough about what Jimmy does. And, and I've, I've been kind of sitting on this take and I tweeted it a little bit last week or a couple of days ago. I think Jimmy's just been straight up better than Bam on defense. And I think that that might be for people who don't watch them every day. And you look at Bam and the numbers and this and the, the reputation, but um, there, some of the metrics aren't super favorable to Bam. I mean, his on off aren't very good. Even if you filter out some of those games when, uh, when Jimmy was out and he was playing with Max Struess and Gabe Vincent a ton, I mean, the, the, that still doesn't really help his case very much. Um, he does have to over switch because guards can't see in front of everybody. And I do think that most of the time that's suboptimal for them, especially as we talked about earlier, they're a bad rebounding team. So they end up giving up the possession on the back end regardless. And, and that's not all his fault. And defense is so much of a team thing that it's sometimes more difficult than not to untangle it. But, it, and it's not to say that Bam's having a bad defensive season. Bam's been absolutely amazing and he should be at least all defensive second team. I mean, he's been absolutely insane on that end. But what Jimmy's done at the nail uh, as a stunt man, kind of rotating out to help, blowing up actions as a switch man, they've switched him onto Sabonis, onto Jokic with great success. By the way, they're very comfortable switching him onto Bigs. Um, the way he's blown up passes, I mean, as we said earlier, I mean, you can't pass within uh, an extended radius of him because he's going to get a hand on it. Um, he's not the trap man. They're sending Ariza and Nunn or Ariza and Goran, whoever the guard is up top, and he's playing that passing lane and he's sharking and he's hawking and he's ready to go has really helped their offense a ton too so you know you look at at jimmy and i i think ben's probably a better on-ball guy than jimmy at, at least this season and, and ben is just as springy and as athletic and and just all the fast twitch muscle fibers that, that exist but i don't think it's crazy to say that jimmy has been the best wing defender this season no disrespect to ben and i don't think it's crazy to say jimmy's just been straight up better than bam like on defense and i don't that that i'm way more comfortable saying i i, I like i believe that as fact um, but I, I did want to get your perspective on the Simmons thing because, uh, you know, I, I think those Simmons is getting a lot of depoy love and I haven't heard Jimmy. So, yeah, that's interesting because like I said, maybe before we started, I, I did a little locker room stream where I talked about, we did three all defensive teams with, with Mark Schindler of premium hoops. And, um, I actually, I had bam on, on my first team and Jimmy on my second team. Now, maybe again, that's you watch every heat game. I can only catch so many. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm totally fine. No, being maybe in the minority there. Um, but. I, I think, yeah, I mean, cause my, cause I guess the way my first team that I had um, on here was, was Ben, Drew, Rudy, Bam, and Giannis. And I guess if you look at it that way, like it's, it's, it's two 
it's two, it's three big men defenders. If you want to go Bam, Giannis, and and Rudy, um, maybe fudging it there, putting Bam at the forward, but I don't care. I put him there anyway. Um, I guess <laughs> he, I have play, six, he, play, he played a lot of forward. I have a six ten guy at guard. Then things are wonky anyways. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So um, I don't, I don't know if I would. I mean, again, it's tough because I watch every Sixers game, you watch every Heat game, and then you catch Sixers games and I catch Heat games. So uh, you know, intermittently, um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn my nose at the idea that Jimmy's been better than Ben defensively. I would disagree, but I think it's certainly valid just because my sample is, is smaller on one end. So, um, but Jimmy has same for me. I mean, yeah. So Jimmy's been tremendous. I mean, he is so good off the ball. I mean, he's definitely better than Ben off the ball. Um, and part of it, it's harder too, is like on the ball because the Sixers switch a lot less and the heat switch a lot more. You don't see Jimmy kind of on the perimeter as much as you mentioned, they'll play bigs a lot. I mean, that's why it's like any, any team, any team trying to involve Jimmy and Bam on like a two-man action defensively is pretty silly because it just doesn't work. Um, uh, but yeah, I think there's definitely a case for it. And I, you know, I, I had Jimmy on my second team. Uh, I guess he was maybe kind of this, the one true wing size defender, you know, maybe my second best one behind Ben. Um, but I don't have an issue if you want to take, take Jimmy there. Um, I, you know, I think Ben's been great on defense. I don't think, you know, I had him. I have him second for defensive player of the year, but I don't feel strongly about that. I think do. he's. I think he's closer to the next two or three guys than <laughs> Rudy. Um, as much as you know, we've talked about kind of you know banter and slander. As much as people want to talk about like you know go make fun of Rudy, whatever, do what you want to do. The dude's an incredible defender. Just at the end of the day, um, I think he's still the DPOI. Um, we getting the jokes off, but yeah, no, not, of he's, course, he's, yes, he's a all, walking. I mean, he's the best drop defender ever. Yes, by all by all means, uh, you know the the game is the game, as as <laughs> I have a friend says that, um, but. It's just, I, the point being is like, I don't think it's, it's inconceivable to say or irrational or, you know, rooted in fandom to say that Jimmy's been better than Ben on defense. Um, they've both been tremendous and they, it's in different ways uh, and different schemes and whatnot. So um, just two really awesome defenders who <laughs> two years ago happened to be on the same team and uh, were very close to defend, to knocking off the future champs there. So uh, long answer short. It is the anniversary of that game. I think. Yes, it, it yes, the it is. Of Hopefully, there are no Sixers fans on here that are listening. I, mean, the re- <laughs> Hope they I think they you brought a few. I, I saw some people in chat kind of muttering that they were excited to see you. So, <laughs> well, I, I apologize to any of them. I'm sure you're coming here for heat analysis from me, and all of a sudden, I'm I'm making you relive your your sports uh, traumas there. Sports I'm like Loki, a Raptors fan, and I because Kyle Lowry is my favorite player, mm-hmm. so I, I've been like a big Raptors guy, and I, I watched a lot of the game. So that was that was such a fun. That's I mean that series was hell. I hated watching it. It was uh, yeah. It was it was a joy to cover. I can tell you that as someone who just covers the Sixers. But uh, Kyle Lowry now the uh, the, part, the part-time assistant coach, part-time player these days. Um, Lowry and, to the Heat next. Let me tell you something. That 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 noise is legitimate. Our our, our friends over there at Five Reasons have kind of hinted at that here, in Miami. That that would be really fun. I know that that Philly's also going to be in that mix. How? Uh, so yeah, no, I, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, I, he's definitely got some stuff left in the tank and know he's been dealing with a toe injury, but it's, it's funny that they just list him with rest rather than, you know, he's got an injured toe or whatever and he's, he's resting back to backs whatever. But, uh, but yeah, you know, uh, fade, fade for Cade. No, yeah, for, for sure. I absolutely <laughs> do that. If he gets there, I mean, I know it's a long shot, but Hey, if they, you get, you get OG Fred Van Vliet and oh uh, Cade. You got, I you love get, OG and Anobi. So yeah. He, he's great. That guy um, is just... I, I mean, talk about all the defense. That's a guy who, if he, he hadn't battled some injuries this year would, would certainly oh, be on one of those teams. So um, anyway, long-winded rant, which has been the theme of my appearance today of to say both uh, of us. though, <laughs> Jimmy, I think there's a case for sure for Jimmy uh, over Ben. And it would, it would require you to, if you, if you want to feel very strongly, that would require you to watch all, 
140 games between both teams and look at the metrics and depth and all that. That's but, what Nikias is here for. This is exactly, that's what Nikias exactly, does. Exactly. That's what that's what, that's, that's what he's the best in the biz. So uh, that's he's legit the best. In the but uh, best but yeah, I think so. Just again, I, I think you are certainly warranted and justified in making that claim because they do it in different ways with different defensive philosophies. So uh, they've been both been great, and I don't think you can really go wrong because uh, Jimmy's just a joy to watch defensively too. He's just, he's great. And, and honestly, like, and, and for what you just said, like the difference in philosophies, like, and that's why I've always liked Heat Sixers as a rivalry because, you know, Hinky is so, the process is, is so, it goes almost to the antithesis of Pat Riley, right? Like they will chase the eight seed till they bleed, right? That 30 and 11, they're proud of that, even though it was like the worst thing to happen to the franchise, but they're like, no, we need this, right? We, we need Dion to lead us to the eight seed, right? To play Boston. And, that's just how they are. And, and they don't, they very rarely tank. I mean, I think the only year that I, I think they were legit, like they, they put the, they, they threw in the towel was uh, the first year after LeBron left. And at that, you know, Jackson, I get bothered because they were actually like good that season and everyone got hurt. It was like Dwayne got hurt and Chris got hurt and Goran and everybody, everybody was hurt. And, uh, and then they kind of waved the towel at the end. They're just like, okay, we're playing Tyler Johnson 42 minutes. Uh, okay. <laughs> and Tyler Johnson par- parlayed those opportunities into a, a lucrative contract for a while. Now he might win a ring with the, uh, with, uh, with the, with he's the my nemesis. He's my nemesis, Jackson. <laughs> he's been my nemesis forever. Uh, and, and we had a frosty media day interview. He's my nemesis. <laughs> Tyler Hero. I'm but yeah, Hero. I, I agree <laughs> though. I like the, I like kind of the rivalry there. Kind of, you know, obviously Maury is kind of, you know, Maury and Hinky work closely together in Houston. And I think they're still, you know, I'm sure they're still close, you know, yeah. off the, off the quarter of her outside of the office. Torch bear. Uh, yeah. And so just, you know, but obviously Maury is a guy who, you know, has some similar kind of philosophies in terms of how he runs a team, but it, mostly he's run a lot of very successful teams that have, that have gone for it. And that's what he's doing here too. So um, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, I think it's a fun rivalry and I think it would be, I'm hoping that we get them in the second round because I think that would be the most exciting matchup for the Sixers now I'm sure again Sixers fans in on the chat or whatever in the chat are probably not going to want that they would prefer the Knicks or the Hawks or whoever it may be um but just in terms of pure entertainment I think that would be the most fun series does anybody believe in the Knicks I feel like everyone wants the Knicks in the playoffs I don't I think part of the reason with the Knicks that skepticism skepticism excuse me is the fact that I think They've mostly been like fairly healthy and the fact that like Tibbs teams play really hard, which can be kind of an advantage in the regular season, um, which is not to say they're not a good team. They're definitely a playoff team. But I think just some of that, like look at a team like the Hawks, you know, if you had four five, six, look at the Hawks and the heat, they've both been decimated by injuries or COVID, whatever it is. Whereas the heat have been able yes. to the Knicks have been able to stay pretty healthy. Obviously Mitchell Robinson's missed over half the season, but Julius Randall stayed healthy. Uh, RJ Barrett stayed healthy. Uh, you know, since Derek Rose has come over, he's been really good for them as well. Um, and so I just think part of it is that, but, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's a reason beyond that, but probably just a general distrust of a team that is going their offense from, is stinky. Yeah. And just going, I mean? and just like, a, you go from a team that's going, you know, didn't have a bun of, ton of off season moves. Now they're at, you know, they're 38 and 31 or whatever it is. So maybe just a general distrust because of the Knicks, which is probably unfair, but I think there are some justified reasons you could be skeptical, skeptical about the Knicks really posing a playoff threat. So one of the Jackson, one of the stats I think is insane about Randall is last season, 14% on pull-up threes this season, 41% on pull-up threes. <laughs> and to me, I'm like, he just, he just, he just a little, yeah, it's a little, little, little flip of the numbers. And I look at that and I'm like, I don't know how real that is. And I don't know if we're going to approach a Pascal Siakam level drop next season. Right. You know, similar Pascal has the breakout season, right. All NBA 
you know, lit the world on fire. And then the next season, it, it kind of looked a little funky. Although I think Pascal's would mostly look good. You know, mm-hmm. since after Worst team too, tougher. And he, he went through COVID. Yeah, too, so. far away from home, right? Yeah, in, in I, I'm, Tampa, I'm mostly situation. Dis- anything negative about the Raptors this year, I'm mostly discounting. But I, I see what you're yeah. saying for sure. I think I, I really am fat. I mean, Julius has been incredible this year. I've loved watching him. Um, the defense is better too, which I think is an important distinction. That has been that, that's part of why yeah. you could kind of buy in the sustainability. The def- the offense is better too in terms of the passing, the willingness to make passes based off the de- way he collapsed defenses. But I am curious to see where the shooting level is out because I mean he's been just an incredible tough shot maker. Um, basically every big game the next play, it seems like Randall hits something, some some shot that you consider junk for 99% of players that is a, a shot that he's repped out and developed. So um, I'm curious to see where it lands next year. But yeah, um, I agree. I, and Julius is definitely a much better player than he's been in past years, but there's there's definitely kind of some hesitancy about, is he a borderline all-NBA player or is he just kind of maybe a borderline all, all-star, which is both very, very impressive developments that deserve to be warranted or excuse my warranted praised. Um, but there's a distinction there that I think definitely matters um, in terms of Do kind you of have a player. Do you have them all NBA? I don't think I quite would. The, I mean, the forwards are just such a tough, I mean, Do you like have LeBron? I, I mean, that's, t- I, I think I, we went through this last show and it, it was, it's hard, man. It's I tough. think I might have LeBron on there because I mean, he legitimately was the top three to four MVP candidate when he played. I mean, he might not play another game this year, which will put him at like, I think 43 games, which is tough, but Again, I don't know. I'm That's wait, right I'm at the to, line. I'm waiting to I'm waiting to do my my fictitious battle until the end of the year because it's I think some of it would come down to exactly that. Um, but you have Embiid as a forward, are you going to cheat? Like yeah, I'll, dude, I'll, I'll put. I mean, the, if, 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 it. if it's a, if it's an option, I mean, like I I get when people are like oh like what are we doing? It's like I don't know. We're trying to make the best player. Like we're we're fudging the positions to make sure following the, the rules, man. Yeah. They, they, Adam Silver says yes. You yeah, know, exactly. we say like, yes. It's, it's a dumb rule, anyways. That you have to put your two positions, uh, but whatever. So yeah, I'd put on B. Kevin Arnovitz complaining about it on Lopez. Come on, man. It's fun. Yeah, it's like you got the guy's going to fish second MVP. Is going to have to be second team All NBA. It doesn't doesn't make any sense there. So yeah, I, Tatum as guard is funny though. Tatum as guard is ridiculous. Yeah, that's, I think I mean, that's it, Loki more ridiculous than Embiid at forward. I don't even think it's ridiculous because. Like he handles the ball a lot, which is, you know, if, if, if Simmons is a guard on. So does Jokic. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he runs like high pick and rolls and things like that. So, um, I mean, if, Sim- if Simmons is a guard on all defense, I think the guy who, you know, the guy who runs pick and roll, high pick and rolls and shoots 40% on pull up threes and Tatum can, can do that. I mean, Paul George is a guard and that dude's six, nine or whatever too. I mean, he like, but he like legit plays shooting guard for the Clippers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I just, it, but point being, yeah, I it's weird. I, I will put on B at four, which will compromise some, some poor soul who's an actual forward who deserves to, get it but it deserves to get it with with the archaic position archaic positional designations but uh this is 2021 we're trying to put the top 15 basketball players per season on there um sorry to jason tatum or julius randall whoever gets whoever gets the axe when i when i do my ballots there but both are having tremendous seasons it's just the okay i'm gonna i'm gonna read you mine real quick and then right. we'll, we'll get out of here i want i want i want your thoughts because i thought about this today i, I kind of sat down and did it for first i got steph lucas guards that's uh, right forward Giannis Jokic, uh, Giannis Embiid, and then center Jokic. Yep, that's that's that's. I think that's a pretty simple. I mean, you could go, you could debate maybe Luca versus Dame versus CP, but I, I'm going or Jimmy to too. I, I think Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That kind of. But talk. I, but I think Luca has the edge there, and I, I think that's probably gonna be the most popular one that I've heard so far among a few few so, fictitious ballots. Second team, Gobert at center. I thought that was the easiest yeah. second team pick. Uh, forwards, Jimmy and Kawhi. I think yeah. Kawhi is kind of at the, I mean, Jimmy and Kawhi played like the same amount of minutes. So I, 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 I think that's, I, yeah, I, I think that's really well. Kawhi's been, Kawhi's been really good. I mean, I know he's, his number, his on off stuff. Yeah. And, and, and one thing too, like he's shooting like a ridiculous number at the rim this year. Like if you go look at like, you go to NBA.com, he's up there with like 
like the centers. Like I think he might be shooting better than Gobert at the rim. Some some absurd, preposterous mark for a, for a wing who creates for himself most of his shots at the rim. I mean, he's almost at 50, 40, 90 right now. He's at 51, 39, 6, 88, 6, or 88, 88, 6. Um, so Kawhi from 0 to 3 feet is shooting 77%. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's absurd. Uh, he's so strong and, and skilled in that way. But uh, yeah, I think point being is I think Kawhi, you know, despite probably ending up missing about 20 games this year, uh, is deserving because he's been, I don't think he's been great defensively. Like I saw, I think I saw a couple of people have him like on an all defense team. I don't think that's fair. I think that's very much a reputation based thing. He's been um, good, but not great. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, but I think conversely, he's been incredible on offense and that's why he should make it at, at the very least a third team appearance, uh, but probably a second team appearance for me as, as you have as well. So my guards there are Dame and CP. Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, you could make an argument for Kyrie as well. He's ended up playing quite a few games. He's been, He's for a little he's, bit um, as of late. Um, I think some of that probably, I mean, he's going through, he's been, he's been fasting during Ramadan, um, which yeah. I think you don't want to assume that's why a guy struggles, but if he's not eating went from sun sunrise to sun sundown, uh, you can imagine that probably affected him to some degree. Um, but point, but he's still, he's almost a 50, 40, 90 as well. And I think his defense has been pretty solid. I think second, first much, or second best improved. defensive season of his career outside of his last year in Boston. Um, but yeah, he's been, he's been incredible. But, uh, but yeah, I think I would go Damon CP as well. I think that's probably where all settled, but, Kyrie is maybe the one guy that I would strongly consider for, for second team among, besides those two. Third team gets tricky. So my center, I have Bam, although I don't feel great about it. I just didn't have a better option. I think for I would forwards, go there as well. I think, I mean, I have just not Randall great. and Zion, which means I'm leaving LeBron out, which it feels weird, but I don't, I don't know if I, I feel bad leaving Randall out. And I feel like the, there's an out because LeBron hasn't played enough. And then my guards, I have PG, who I think has just been a great, great. On, He's been on awesome. He's been I mean, yeah. the heck out of the ball this year. And I had Beal over Kyrie, and I felt bad about that. But man, Beal's been Beal's been so good all season. Um, it was I, one of those guys was going to be left out, and they're both good players. And I wouldn't have felt good about either of them being left out. But you know, him, Booker, yeah, Mitchell, Levine. I think, I think for me, I would go Tatum over Randall. I know Randall's been great. Ooh, part, part of it for me is that like I don't know I don't want to I don't want to punish one guy or but like Tatum's been so good like basically outside of the like ten games he's recovering from COVID and I don't want to punish Randall for that but I feel for me personally I don't have a vote so I don't feel like it doesn't really matter to me like I'm not going to strip anyone of you know, fictitious some, stuff man yeah, serious business but uh but for me I like that matters to me because like he it's not like he just had like a he's not had, like just had a hot streak for twelve games to close of the year like. He's been in, incredible since the All-Star break. He was very good before he contracted COVID. And so, like, I don't really want to punish him for that. Like, especially the games played miss part of it, like, games missed part of it. Like, you know, it's just such a such a weird it's season tough. where guys are, you know, going through COVID and, you know, like, just. And so, I would go Tatum over him then. Um, and I would probably go Kyrie over Beal. Um, but I think you can make, I definitely think there's no, there's no wrong answer between Beal and Kyrie. I just, I love what Kyrie's done, but you can also make the case that, He's in a much more favorable offensive environment, despite you know Harden and KD kind of being in and out of the lineup a lot. Um, and Ky- Kyrie's kind of been in and out of the lineup a little bit too, but even less so than you know his other two stars there. Um, but yeah, I think that's all reasonable. I, I think I mean yeah, Zion definitely has it. Thirteen's tough. Thirteen. Yeah, tough. it's. I mean, there's just yeah. You, I, I like putting PG at guard though. I think he's definitely deserves a spot. And I mean, you're just gonna leave off. But I mean, I'm sure there are guys we're not even talking about that you know that. I mean, Booker, Booker feels bad because yeah. they've been so good. I mean, Mitchell ha- has been good too. And he's been good, but I don't, guy. I think he's been below all, all, all NBA caliber for me, especially with him missing the last month or so. But 
Harden. Point being, yeah, Harden's going to play 50 games at best, 49 games or something like that. I don't think AD has deserved it, but it just feels weird that he's not even in the conversation. Yeah, for me. yeah, it's, it just happens. Some, I mean, Embiid didn't even make All NBA last year. Maybe he should have, but um, and AD's only played thirty four games. Like if you if you say AD should make a team, then you start getting like, well, should Durant make a team? And like, I I'm not, I can't put a guy who plays like half yeah. the game, like half the games. You know, it's a weird it's, season, but there's there's still a limit to me with that stuff. So um, yeah, I, I think I think if those could be the teams, and I would probably disagree with. Probably I, that could be third team. I'd probably disagree with a little bit of it, but I wouldn't be like, oh, those guys were undeserving. Like, uh, it just, I just feel about Zion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Zion's, yeah, Zion's been, I mean, he's averaging what, 27 on 65% true shooters like that. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. What the he's hell? 20, That's a 20 glitch. years old still. Uh, I mean, yeah. He, he literally, he, he could make all NBA and he wouldn't be able to celebrate with a drink until July 6th this year. So, <laughs> Uh, legal drink, I should say. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's an NBA player. The uh, point is, but uh, but yeah, I think that's certainly a very reasonable All NBA third team, and it just speaks to the fact that you could you could make a fourth team with a bunch of really good players um, who are deserving. You could make a fourth team that could be a third team, like yeah, AD. and you wouldn't even have to go with the guys who've been injured, like KD and AD. You could make you could go Booker and Kyrie and, and Tatum and all these different guys that uh, and go LeBron, even go Cat, who's I think going to play forty five or fifty games at center this year, so. Uh, yeah, it just there's so much talent in the league. It's just just a great, great uh, joy to watch these guys. Even though it's been a, a strange year, unfortunately, I'm looking forward to being mostly back to normal next year. Hopefully, where everyone's healthy and we don't have to deal with you know COVID stuff. And please all that. God, uh, well, we love our league. We love to celebrate our players. It's it's honestly a, I love award season. It's such a fun time. Jackson, thank you so much for making the time for us. I know this went a little long, but we we appreciate the insight. Uh, chat loved it. Uh, I know our listeners are gonna appreciate kind of a little bit of a we we don't we oftentimes don't get such a, a specific outside perspective we t- tend to get more national voices but i know that the, the sixer matchup was something that i was super interested in and i wanted to pick your brain uh jackson where can people find your work what do you have to plug i want people to get as much of you as possible to consume your great content tell the people what's cooking what do you got where can they find you uh well first off appreciate you having me on this was, was a joy i'm glad i could provide some insight hopefully everyone enjoyed it um, secondly, you can find me on Twitter at Jack Frank underscore JJF everywhere. I talk about or write about the NBA is in my bio. Uh, I just wrote a piece on Robert Williams, uh, this week or today, excuse me. It came out, uh, that's somewhere probably high up on my, my timeline there. Um, so go check that out. Uh, I'll have a really cool feature about a player that I won't divulge at the moment. Um, but a key Ooh. player on a good rotate on a key player on a very good playoff team. I'll have a feature on him coming out before the playoffs begin. Um, so I'll kind of use that for people to be excited about, but on that, just kind of gear up for the playoffs, you know, it's kind of a weird time where I don't really want to write much more about the regular season, but, <laughs> yeah. um, kind of bracing myself and taking everything in before, uh, a pretty fun and I'm sure busy and hectic couple of, couple of months with the playoffs coming. We got to buckle up. We got lots to do, but this, it's fun. And, and this, this, it's very enjoyable. Jackson, you are the man. Thank you so much for this chat. Remember to check out Hangover Time, our post-game show, live after every single Heat game, twitch.tv slash Heat right here on Twitch, our pregame show, which is 30 minutes before every game, hosted by Jack Alfonso, who was on for uh, all of <laughs> two seconds before his internet just completely gave out. He will have that fixed by tomorrow, or, I will, uh, or I'll fire him. I mean, I'm, just, I'm, just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But no, check it out. The pregame show is really fun. Postgame show is fun. Remember, we do locker room the morning after every game. Today was a little buggy. The app was uh, buggy. Don't worry, chat. Chat's asking for uh, for your Twitter handle. I'll, I'll include that in chat to make sure that that people have that, so so they don't. Uh, let me let let me pull that up so uh, so we we can get that to the people that that are asking for it. Um, and, and yeah, check out check out our locker rooms. They're a lot of fun. We do them the morning after every game. Download the app uh, for iOS and Android now. 
now on Android. So that's 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 actually really fun. And the Android app worked worked today. Oh, they're they're now on Android. That's that's awesome. We're now on Android. Yeah, a lot of our listeners have asked, and they've been upset that it's Android. I've had the same thing where I've tried to bring on guests and whatnot. But yeah, I second that. Locker room's a ton of fun. Even if you just want to listen to can be heat stuff, just anything. It's a really great interactive app. Come yell at me. I have so many bad takes. Join (laughs) us. Have a good time. Tell me I'm dumb. Uh, and check out all our stuff. We appreciate Jackson. We appreciate you guys. And we'll be back tomorrow for our game day coverage.